For tuning into the 540th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Charles, Daryl, and D-Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Everett, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, the platform you may be listening to me via. Gonna have a great podcast for all you guys today. Gonna have Kenny Simmons, getting expert for 247 Sports, to break down and recap the NFL Combine. Also, probably talk about a little bit of NFL news and nuggets. As well, and before I get to that conversation with Kenny, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be Reddit Threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically you Spotify, everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at Nitra underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane, you will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my second show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, I don't want the pod, then fright not worry not, folks, but just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kenny Sim on the show. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for Trans 47 Sports, to break down and recap everything that went down for the NFL Combine. Kenny, how you doing? How you feeling? How you living, my guy? I'm good, Daryl. We had wire-to-wire coverage, gavel-to-gavel coverage, Combine 2023, and it's all over now. We're on to the free agency, and then the draft is, you know... Two months away. What's your favorite thing about the combine? I like seeing all the players together. You know, whether you're at a big school or a small school or how well you played. And some value when you do drills side by side one after the other and you know we know how the, we know how the top guys are but when teams have their initial preliminary grades for the combine you can kind of see you know if you have a couple you know if you have three or four third round grades on corners now you can see them side by side compare some of their athletic testing see how smooth they are in the drills and, you know, having that piece is valuable. You know, how to break down, you know, you got a cluster of fifth-round receivers. You could kind of see them side-by-side, side. Um, you know, for teams. The medical is important. Um, and then getting face-to-face with them, because it's still kind of a hiring process, and... You know, you meet with them for 15 minutes only, and for a lot of a lot of players, that's the only time you get to be in front of the decision makers on the team, because then they have 30 visits a team could have, and they're not going to be able to, you know, have every single guy they draft in for a visit. So that might be the only time you talk to a team. So, um, you know, there's value there. Yeah, for me, Kenny, I always think. The really the most underrated, most uh, underappreciated part of the combine is, you know, the meetings that you get to have with the players, right? GMs and coaches, they finally, you know, get to see these guys face-to-face, pick their brain, um, pick the football side of things, get to know the guy. I think that's often uh, one of the more important things. And also one of the more underrated things, this is where a lot of business gets done because this is the one time really per year, maybe the league meetings, when you have all these personnel, league personnel guys and coaches in the same area, and they can all talk, 
pick each other's brains, talk about trades, free agencies, who you like, who you don't like, and it becomes a big networking event. Exactly. It's a snow globe of anyone who's anyone in football. Uh, you know, it's almost like a quick a quick trip in Las Vegas. It's a week, you know, three, three or four days, and you do all that, and then you're done, and you go about your merry way. But, yes, that is important. Um, the, the, the combine in itself, not not for like a you know a fan or outside of watching, but for the people in the NFL, that is an event. Indianapolis is a close city; everything in walking distance, everything's really together. But that is where business gets done with agents talking to teams, teams comparing deals, um, you know, framework of free agencies, possible trades, or going because you have all them there, GMs, coaches, boots on the ground at night in the various restaurants and bars and whatnot, and, you know, that is when a lot of, a lot of, if you keep your ear to the ground, a lot of scuttlebutt goes around that is um, kind of the start of free agency, which is, you know, next Monday already, but yes, that is very important as well. So let's go to quarterbacks for the combine. Uh, a lot of buzz was made of Anthony Richardson. Uh, ran really well. Uh, I think I read something that said that he, people now scouts are comparing him to a mix of Justin Fields, Cam Newton, and uh, Jalen Hurts, something of that magnitude, which is pretty lofty comparisons considering all three of those guys. I mean, Hurts and Cam Newton have been very good in their careers. And then you look at, uh, no, actually it was Cam Newton, Josh Allen, and Justin Fields. Uh, one league executive said, as I get that quote up right now. Uh, so what do you make of all the Anthony Richards and hype? I mean, I could not help but be. Just tantalizing. I mean, 6'4", 244, and he ran a 4'4", 3", and then he comes in as he will come into the NFL as the most athletic quarterback ever by combine facts. 40 and a half inch vertical. That is the highest ever by a quarterback since they started tracking this. 10-9 broad jump. Again, highest ever for a quarterback. 4-4-3. He's doing all of that at 244 pounds. And that shows you with a howitzer of an arm that there is you know he could run the football and take the hits and not break down so he's big enough to be a ball carrier like Jalen Hurts he's way bigger than him still Um, and he's able to do that a lot like Cam Newton and have that crutch, I kind of say it, how his athletic ability could help him escape plays and get first downs, designed runs, and that could help be a crutch and prop up his, you know, sporadic accuracy on plays until he gets that uh, down pat, if he ever gets that down pat. And that is a big if. That is a big if. They want to start comparing every single big mobile quarterback to Josh Allen. You'll get your shares of, you know, guys that don't turn out like a Blaine Gabbert. Um, so, you know, even in a couple of the deep out routes against air, he was missing guys. And, you know, um, a lot. But but the, the traits are there to help build him up um, until he gets more experience under his belt. He's a, the, the one comparison is he's a lot like Cam Newton, but um, one thing that he does not have is Anthony Richardson only has 13 starts in college. He has not played a lot. Um, so there is a big lottery ticket. And, you know, I would say, and I think we did this one, one time, over half the first-round quarterbacks bust. 
So you really have a lottery ticket. There is no higher ceiling than Anthony Richardson. So he's like playing Powerball. <laughs> yeah, and there's all and, and you know a team. I think the Colts make a great match to match up with him because Shane Steichen came from Philadelphia and he was able to build and you know build a running game that incorporates the quarterback, powerful offensive line, and then from there. They don't do a lot of complex schemes in the run game, but they could just do it a multitude of ways. And then passing game, obviously, they add those two receivers and they have some RPOs. So then, you know, he gets to Indianapolis maybe with Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, but Shane Steichen could have a similar offense to what he's done with, you know, Jalen Hurts and Justin, uh, Justin Herbert in the past. But it's going to take that type of um, offense that kind of reduces his drop-back passing and incorporates the quarterback run game and probably behind a heavy run-first offense for the first, you know, at least two years of his career. Yeah, we also saw that um, Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts, those are two guys, once those teams started running the football more, that changed how we viewed them as players. And they had kind of rocky starts of their NFL careers. Then you start doing the read option, the QB design runs. It starts, you know, having the defense to play off a little bit. It opens up more passing lanes, more easy throwing lanes, uh, less tight coverage. So I think Anthony Richardson will definitely be able to take care of, uh, take advantage of that as well at the next level. Bryce Young, he weighed in at 5'10", a little over 200 pounds. Is that right where you were expecting him? Yeah, I mean, you know, he he didn't work out. So the thing is, he was going to come in and get his weight as high as possible. But that's not his playing weight. It's just and then water. He's going to do all <laughs> the throwing and stuff for for the pro day and get down to under two hundred and four. Uh, I heard that he played in the national championship against Georgia two years ago at hundred and sixty nine pounds. But. You know, he would be an outlier because he will be the smallest, the the smallest quarterback ever taken in the first round. He's the exact. He's he's five ten and an eighth, just like Ty, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray officially was two oh seven. Bryce Young's two oh four, and then the second, uh, the uh, the uh, third smallest was Johnny Manziel. So that is the type of size that uh, outlier that Bryce Young is going to have to overcome. Yeah, I don't like the Kyler Murray comparisons. Kyler Murray's twice the athlete that Bryce Young is, and exactly a lot thicker, stronger guy, quicker, twitchier, and also Bryce Young is just Bryce Young is kind of frail. It's Kyler is something completely different than 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 what Bryce Young is. So I wouldn't be holding my breath on that one per se. Exactly, and he's you know. Tyler Murray as a, uh, you know, professional athlete in two sports, big arm, not the case with Bryce Young, and you've seen Tyler Murray, has he ever completed a season healthy? He, he, he has broken down, he's missed, uh, he, he, he's missed the back half of the last three seasons. And he wears down uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, and Bryce Young, that, that is as opposed to Anthony Richardson, he's going to have to kind of avoid the hits and avoid, you know, making contact when he runs the football. That's why I think even if even if Chicago liked him more than Justin Fields, I don't think that's a good fit for him. Bryce Young is, you know, with his size and, you know, solid but not, you know, top-level arm, he is way more suited to be playing his home games in a dome as opposed to inclement weather outside in Chicago. But 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 a dome setting where he's playing half his games in, 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 you know, weather that's not a factor, um, that would help him out. And as much as Bryce Young likes to scramble, that horrendous field in Soldier Field isn't going to do him any favors either. 
like a slip and yeah. slide on there so sometimes. Yeah, so he's one. Um, you know, it's going to be a. It's it's, it's going to be a. A feel thing with each team about, you know, does does he meet those at least minimum thresholds? Because that has got to be. I don't think it meets minimum thresholds for a, you know, a starting quarterback. You take a look at the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, you know, the top. Let's just say the top ten last year in passing. They averaged about six, a little over six two, and about two hundred and twenty pounds. That was what the top ten quarterbacks in passing their their height weight. So that is kind of the prototype right now. What quarterback do you think hurt his stock this weekend? I I, I think one of them was Will Levis, and Will Will Levis. You know, it's the play on the field. It's kind of the sacks. It's the sacks, the decision-making, the turnovers, the turnovers in the red zone against Georgia. And, you know, I, he, he threw yesterday, but that um, the interviews with the team will be important because, you know, any, you know, uh, apologist or whatever can make whatever excuse you want about why he did not have a good year this year. He had a way better junior year than senior year. He was not good this year. We can make you can make whatever excuse you want. So he's had an opportunity to take the QB one spot. He has not done that. He chose not to play in his bowl game. He chose not to go to the senior bowl. So every time he's had an opportunity to kind of claim QB one or get in that top tier, he has not done that. So that is a red flag that needs to be untangled. You think it's a lack of competitiveness? He's just getting bad advice? Yeah, it could be a lot of those. Yeah, it could, it could be a lot of those. So now I want to go to running backs. Uh, who do you think helped their stock the most out of those guys? Running backs one of the four positions along with tight end, defensive end, and corner that had, um, that's a deep position group. And one of, and, and two that I think helped their stock, at least to take a look at further, is the first one is a kid I really liked was Chase Brown. He's the running back out of um, Illinois. He comes in 5'9", 2'10". He was the top running back in the vertical jump at 40, broad jump at 10-7, number one in both of those. He is a filled-out running back, um, tested very well, and he has been able to really be the bell cow of the Illinois backfield. He averaged 27 carries last year. He is one that definitely could be taken on day three, that he could enter you know, a two-man pool at running back and you know, be that in between the tackles guy, be the guy that gets the most snaps. And he could definitely do that. Uh, the the other one that I'm intrigued by is two-lane running back, Tajay Spears. And he came in again, just like at the senior bowl. He, he was over 200 pounds, 5'10", 201. Um, and he was, you know, second in vertical jump among all running backs, third in the broad jump. So he is a very explosive, low-to-the-ground runner, and he is one who is a change-of-pace back, home-run hitter type of player. And even though he went to a group of seven school, he tested as well as anyone. And, you know, he's a guy that, again, you could put him in a pool in the backfield, and he could start and be productive and be that type of starting running back that teams do not need to spend a first round pick on. Who do you think hurt their stock the most out of all the running backs? I mean, one that hurt their stock probably was probably was Deuce Vaughn just because Deuce Vaughn came in, and, and he was Kansas State's running back for the last couple of years. 
Um, he came in only at five feet five, one seventy nine, and that is very undersized for a running back. And you know, it's just in the NFL, it is a big man's game, and it's hard to see him. You know, depending on him in a game as you know, one of the three backs that are up on a roster that you could count on continually, not just from the size aspect, but but just, you know, you run in between the tackles, the lanes close quickly, uh, defenders are extremely fast off the edge, and it's just like these defenses are playing at a step faster. And that type of profile runner, though, 5'5", 179, does not really pan out. Now, Maurice Jones-Drew is short, but but he, he was not 179 pounds. Um, so he's got a little bit of, you know, those, those guys are like a third running back. They move kind of on, you know, team to team early in their career, practice squad to practice squad, uh, like a J.J. Taylor. But that was one where um, in, in, in college he was productive, and then you start looking at the NFL level, Games picks up. You say, "Oh wow, he comes in only at 5'5". So, in terms of receivers, who do you think helped their stock the most? Yeah, receivers won. Now, now the receiver room now this year does not have a Jamal Chase, does not have you know a Jerry Judy or Justin Jefferson or Garrett Wilson. It, it, it does not have like a top ten player um, in it. But it's still you start looking down the list. And once again, it's another deep receiver room. And um, until there's a drastic change in the way colleges play, this is kind of going to be the norm of just, you know, it's it's kind of pick your type at receiver. There is all different, ty- all different types of styles at receiver that you could go with. So a few that really help your stock – um, I'm going to say is one, I still like Zay Flowers as a first round pick. So he's, he's a, he's a very productive receiver from Boston college. He's five nine one eighty two. um, adequate jumps four four two guy. This is a player that you could play in the slot. You could run him on jets. You could run horizontal pass plays with them a lot like a Kadarius Tony type of player and um, you know plus hands catching the football he's one that helped himself um, he, he did nothing to kind of diminish that and another one a couple of other ones that I liked were one is Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati now Tyler Scott comes from a track background um, you know he, he participated in track with the U.S. Olympic team. He is a burner down the field. He got a lot of Tyler Lockett-type uh, style of play, T.Y. Hilton. He comes in at 5'10", five, 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 177. 39.5 vertical leap. Ran a 4-4-4. His 10-yard split was at the top, and that is definitely an early round two guy who could go off the board and he comes in as that deep threat, like a Tyler Lockett, T.Y. Hilton type player. The other one that stood out as well is Jonathan Mingo. I like Jonathan Mingo a lot. He's, he's a big receiver, another big receiver for out of Ole Miss. Now, everyone can't be D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, but he's a 6'2", 220-pound receiver. He jumps and runs well very well for his size and he is one who has been a starter for a couple of years now in that Ole Miss passing attack and so he's one where if you're looking for that type of player who who, who is has plus size for an NFL receiver who could play on the outside um, Jonathan Mingo is definitely one who could go again round round two early round three And who are some guys you think that hurt their stock a little bit out of the receiver room? Yeah, well, one who did not compete at the combine. He he, he was injured, but but there's his profile has red flags on it. Is Quentin Johnson, who looks to be a first round pick? Quentin Johnson 
is the top receiver from TCU. He's a big receiver, a 6'3", 208-pound receiver. Now, there has been a lot of those big receivers from the Big 12 who play in an air raid who have a very limited route tree. There's not a lot of limbs on that route tree um, that run vertical, quick screen. They don't get a lot of contact from defensive backs at the line of scrimmage. You know, Kevin White, Hollywood Brown. Um, there's a bunch of receivers like that. Denzel so Mims. He is one. Oh, what's that? There's a Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims, a Corey Coleman. Those type of Big 12 receivers in that air raid, you know, they, they have a tough time adjusting to the NFL. Now, the other thing is, if he is that big, and, you know, a lot of those downfield receivers, they're not high-volume receivers. You don't throw them the ball ten times a game. So you gotta make, uh, you got to make the most of your limited opportunities. A lot of those guys, you know, four or five catches, but they're at 100 yards. Um, his drop rate among the top receivers that are going to probably go round one, round two, he has the worst drop rate. He drops 10% of his passes. So, that is a critical, that's probably the number one trait of a receiver, is catching the ball first. So, to have that type of drop rate um, is a big red flag early on. So, he was one that, start reading about him more, watching him more, there's a lot of historical red flags that pop up that um, it's going to be tough if, team takes him and expects him to be their receiver one, you know, if you use a first-round pick on him. So in terms of the tight ends, there's a lot of buzz coming out of the tight ends. Some people have said that there could be multiple tight ends taken in the first round. Are you seeing that, Kenny, yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I see about four that I really like. And this might be the first year where, you know, there might be more, um, tight ends in the first round than receivers. So there's four I really like. Dalton Kincaid from Utah is is Utah starting tight end who is a rare uh, productive tight end. He's in an offense that features the tight end that does not happen a lot in college football. He gets a lot of opportunities in in, in the passing game and he has made a lot of plays. Uh, he's made a lot of plays in the last two Rose Bowls. He, he, he makes plays, you know, every Saturday in the Pac-12. He is definitely one. Uh, Michael Mayer did not test very well, but Michael Mayer is a classic in-line tight end. He can play right by the offensive tackle. He can line them out. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a savvy route runner. He can block. He gets a tight end from Notre Dame. One I'm intrigued by is Luke Musgrave. He is the nephew of longtime NFL offensive coordinator, former NFL quarterback Bill Musgrave. Now, he did not get a lot of opportunities at Oregon State, but he's a 6'6", 253-pound tight end who could run. He ran a 4'6", His uh, 10-yard split, very high. Um, this is definitely one of the traits, guys. If you want to bet, at tight ends become more of a trades position. He's a trades guy, and he also has the size to be an inline blocker as well. And then the fourth one, have to mention him, is Darnell Washington out of Georgia. A 6'7", 264-pound big tight end. He's almost a six offensive lineman, and he has... The largest hands, the biggest wingspan ever measured for a tight end coming into the league. And he ran well. He ran well. Um, he's, he's a mismatch in the, in the run game because he's a tight end. He's essentially an undersized, he's essentially an undersized offensive tackle. But he could also be used to really get down the field. Um, for explosive plays for tight ends. So because of that and because of those traits that 
there to see. He's probably going to go in round one as well. So, let's go to offensive line. Out of all the offensive linemen, who are some guys who really upped their stock for you? Yeah, one of them who really upped their stock I like a lot is Harris uh, uh, Johnson out of Ohio State. So, Harris Johnson is a is a two-year starter at Ohio State. He was a five-star kid, and he did not give up a sack this year. And he gave up very few pressures. And so Paris Johnson, he comes in. He comes in at 6'6", 313, over a seven-foot wingspan. And he has those, just a natural kick slide. The numbers over the knees, the knees over the toes, the fluidity, a natural knee bender, pass blocking. He could also get out on the edge, zone blocking, those pin-pull screens. He's athletic enough to get out of the line and get up the field. Uh, so he's one that he he has, um, in my estimation, solidified himself as the top offensive tackle. Um, but very, very fundamentally sound player um, who is who has played offensive line for Ohio State for two years, so a lot of reps in the uh, pass game. And who are some, I was going to say, who are some guys who uh, you're a little down on based off of their combine performances? Yeah, well, one who's going to be, one one who is going to be, you know, one that's going to be a, a, you got to have a plan on what you want to do with him is, Peter Skorinski, the offensive tackle from Northwestern. So he is highly thought of, but the length that he has is not going to be for every team at offensive tackle because I know that is a position where length matters. And it's not the end-all, be-all, but some teams value it very highly and some teams will not take a take a offensive tackle if he does not meet the threshold. He will not. He's, he's just under... 33-inch arms, um, so he's one who can maybe be some. Some teams will see him as a starting left tackle. Some teams will see him as an average left tackle, but excellent guard, a lot like uh, Elijah Barrett Tucker. And so he is one where you know the team is going to need to be um, comfortable with all of this. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And then get them next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into the defensive guys. Get them next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fool your fandom and feel the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers risk-free bets up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. I know, great deal, folks. You can throw down in all the major action of baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports. I want to have Kenny Sim with us as we break down the NFL Combine in 2023. So, Kenny, let's go with defensive linemen. Who are some guys who really stood out to you for this Combine weekend? Defensive line, sir? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so defensive line, the defensive end position very deep, you know, there's probably, you know, eight to ten guys that are going to go in the top 50. Um, the one that really stood out that I've liked for a while is Nolan Smith. 
He's a five-star kid. He was the number one player coming out of high school in 2019. He is Georgia's defensive end. Now, he is um, not as prototypical size as, you know, you might want a defensive end at 6'2", 238. But he jumped out of the gym at a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, 439-40. He is very athletic, and that shows up on tape. He's just not a workout warrior. He uses that uh, to crash down blocks, to come off the edge on unathletic tackles. Um, his pressure rate is high. Now, Georgia rolls a lot of the guys on defense, so there's not as many pass rushing opportunities. But he could definitely get home to the quarterback. Nolan Smith really stood out to me. Um, the other one on the defensive line, I'm going to say, is is uh, is the Northwestern kid. They call him Tommy. Uh, I believe his first name is Adetamwa Adebayo. He's number 99 in Northwestern. He is a he's either like a like a three technique or an oversized defensive end. 6'2", 282. Very solid length. Excellent length at end or tackle. He's another one that his his testing numbers. 90th percentile or higher. He ran, again, this is for a big defensive end or, an, or, or a defensive tackle. He ran a 4-4-9. And there's a lot of uh, running backs and receivers that did not do that. So he is definitely one, that type of traits position that, you know, a team could take in round two and put him on the defensive line. Now, out of uh, Wisconsin as a nose tackle continues to show up and make plays um, he, he's a Wisconsin no, nose tackle and then if you're also looking for guys to come off the edge again um, you know I like Will McDonald he is a uh, uh, he had a lot of sacks in college he's about 6'3", 239 a little bit under the defensive end again um, He's a little bit older, so he's not going to fit everyone's profile. And then I also like, um, he, he had a really solid combine, Isaiah Foskey, multi-year starter at Notre Dame. He is a classic 6'5", 264. You know, really solid workout overall. He's had production more in his, uh, more two years ago than this past year, but he has had production um, of, of, of sacking the quarterback and a lot of times, um, you sack the quarterback in college, that translates to sacking guys in the NFL. So, so there's a correlation there. So he has had, so, so he has the size, he has the experience at a high level, and he has the production as well. Going to be a round two guy probably. You could plug him in, and he could be a starter on the defensive line. Do you think that Jalen Carter, how much do you think Jalen Carter has hurt his stock from potentially being the first defensive player off the board with, uh, obviously, you know, the recent issues with the Athens, the police department requesting his arrest after uh, the the racing of the cars, and then obviously two people ended up dead, unfortunately. But uh, how much do you think that's going to hurt Jalen Carter? I mean, there would need to be more investigation by teams to see if this was, if, if there is um, other other incidents that have not gone reported, or if this was a one-time just bad decision. So there would need to be, you know, some some investigation there if you're comfortable with that. Now, this is a big um, this is a big deal because this is a top five pick so you know this guy coming in is supposed to be the face of the franchise you know definitely you want this guy for a second contract so he is going to be linked to this team that drafts him probably for the next eight nine years at least and he's one where he's a big time player where you want him on the field and that type of potential red flag should hurt him. Now, it also would hurt him because he was linked as if a team 
did not need a quarterback. He was one of the consensus, you know, top two players that are non-quarterbacks with him and Will Anderson. Now, they're both very similar on the football field. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Will Anderson, end. So it's just it's just your preference on position type, but they're both, you know, blue-chip players on the defensive line. So now with that, if there is a tie between the two when teams, you know, at the top of the draft are picking, you might want to side with Will Anderson because, you know, same type of on-field production as Jalen Carter, but you don't have, you know, the red flags um, off-field, depending on how many red flags there are when teams are going to vet this, and they're going to vet this very closely because he is going to be a top-five pick. Not, not, not only a first-round pick, a top-five pick. So the teams at the top of the draft are going to have to be comfortable with um, with Jalen Carter in full. But, you know, if there's a tie, you can lean Will Anderson then. So, Kenny, the private investigators are going to be out snooping then, right? Oh, yeah, they'll have private <laughs> investigators with the Athens Police Department. You know, what went reported, anything that happened that did not get reported, uh, all, all, all the teams have this, especially for, you know, player top top five number one pick type players you want to be very confident you want to know everything about them so definitely they'll uh teams will have their own private investigators going around athens uh you, you could definitely be sure of that so let's go to linebackers who are some guys that really stood out for the combat out of you know off-ball linebackers for you yeah so this one the the one that really stuck out I like Trenton Simpson a lot out of Clemson. I thought he was the best. I thought he was on on that first day when they worked out the front seven players. Um, matching up the workouts and also production on the field. The two that really stood out to me were Nolan Smith and Trenton Simpson. And Trenton Simpson has been about, uh, you know, he was a five-star, a five-star recruit, top 20 overall player. So he was a three-year starter at linebacker for Clemson. He's a bigger type of linebacker at 235, and he could also run. So he ran a 4-4-3. His 10-year split was very good. Um, The bench press, the 25 reps in the bench press. So he uh, had out-of-this-world testing. Big athletic player, um, you know he 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 definitely looks like a linebacker. He is stacked, and he's fluid enough to go sideline to sideline. He could drop in coverage. Um, this is definitely a type of a linebacker who who is similar in profile to I want to say like a Devin White, um, that type of linebacker. Other ones. And linebackers, so so there's about seven that ran under a 4-6. So this is getting to be a faster and faster position. Um, a lot of these guys under 230 pounds, so that big type of linebacker is not it, – it, it, it's, it, it's harder to find. So if you're looking for a bigger linebacker um, who could play two downs, you might want to look at an NFL free agent for that. Uh, but one who, you know, fits – profile of being big stopping the run and also athletic enough to stay on the field I think is Henry Toa Toa and he had a nice day from Alabama so he was at Tennessee he transferred to Alabama multiple year starter um, there Henry Toa Toa I've always liked Dorian Williams too this is day two I think this kid and, and there's a lot of, and there's some small school guys that I've liked in the past that have have been drafted um, high than expected. So, so this is one that I've liked for a while. Dorian Williams out of Tulane. He is six one two two twenty eight, but he is a fast, athletic linebacker who could run. You know, you, you saw what Kansas City did at the linebacker group with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Um, he, he is one, too, to play special teams. And 
you know, a few others I liked as well was Bayon Henley out of Washington State. Again, a lot of these linebackers are coming in smaller and faster. So, you know, he, he fits a lot of what the linebackers were in this class. He's 225 pounds, 4'5", four, 4", four, and he is one. He had a very good workout, and he also was, um, you know, very good throughout that week of the senior bowl. So he's had a very good draft process. I know there's not a lot um, – you know, Washington State, hard team to find and watch, but he was a starter for Washington State, and, and he has lined up against the best now at the Senior Bowl and Combine, and he has now stood out now. So he is one that I could see going in the first two days as well. So in terms of the linebackers, in terms of who do you think hurt their stock? Or guys who didn't perform as well as you would have thought. Yeah, you know, there was not a lot of, um, there was not a lot who really hurt their stock too much. Um, you know, Drew, Drew Sanders was one where he, he's had an injury, so he hasn't worked out, and he's one where he is a, uh, he was at um, Alabama and Arkansas. I, I, I don't know which one was first, but but he's 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 playing the SEC. Um, he is a big linebacker. You know, he is a six four, two hundred thirty pound linebacker. But he had he he did not uh, test at the combine, so that's one you want to see. Um, another one that has had. You know, some, some some injuries. If you're looking for a bigger type of linebacker, again, is Noah Sewell. He's Penny Sewell's brother. So he's from Oregon. And, again, this is a bigger linebacker, but he has injury questions. So, ideally, he could come in and he, he, and, and he could start. But with kind of some injuries on a red flag, he's one that is probably going to end up going then in day three. So you could get a potential starter who comes in for for you, or you could spend a you know a day three pick on him and you know he plays some special teams. He's injured throughout the year, uh, but the ability is there that you don't want to give up on him. So that would be two that you know didn't test that that didn't uh, test terrible or didn't test in Drew Sanders' case, but one where stock might be down because of, you know, the injury pass that both of them have. So let's go to the safeties. Who are some guys who really impressed you? Yeah, so safety is one. Safety is one where it's kind of a... um, it's a class that is not as good as in years past. I don't know if there's going to be, you know, there might be one that goes in the top 50, uh, but it might be one where, you know, it's after it's after the second round, you know, where, where 64 picks into the draft and only one, maybe two safeties have gone off the board. So it's not a great safety class. Now, one of the, one of the players who really stood out to me was – Tartarius Martin out of Illinois. And Illinois had a really good combine. They had a really good year. They they sent about six, seven guys to the combine, but he was the free safety, the anchor of that of that, you know, pass defense that had passing efficiency, uh, passing yards per game. It was up to par with Michigan and Georgia as a top three passing defense. Now, I know some some of the competition is different in the Big Ten West, but Jartarvius Martin is a safety who could play that cover one. He could play above the roof. He could play center field. Um, he was a starter for that, you know, top secondary, and he had the highest vertical, 44-inch vertical jump. Very explosive player, adequate speed, Four four six 
his 10-yard split was under one and a half. So he is definitely one of those speed, ball-hawking safeties who has that type of experience, and he also has that top-notch athletic ability to not be overwhelmed at the NFL level. And he's a guy that could probably come in and be that third safety as a rookie and eventually be a free safety starter that he could get. And he's probably going to go, you know, I don't know if he goes in the first two rounds. So so you could get some value with him. Another safety I liked as well is Sidney Brown continues to impress. Now, Sidney Brown is Martin's counterpart. He played strong safety in that defense. There were three starters, three, three secondary members of the Illini secondary to be drafted. Um, Sidney Brown, again, very filled out, physical safety who could play, you know, back deep, but he could also play in the box as well. So this is what I like on Sidney Brown. He comes in 5'9", 210 pounds, and he was a very explosive player. He was among safeties, number two in the broad jump, number three in the vertical jump. 40 inch vertical again. Um, he, he continues to play very well downhill. Uh, he did it during the week at the Senior Bowl. He did it at Illinois. He could play downhill. He could play in the box um, as a guy that could slow down the tight end release, uh, that extra box defender. He's best playing downhill. He's another guy. I think he ends up probably finishing out as a top 50 player, and he, he should go in the top 50. And if he doesn't, a team is going to get very good value and a uh, uh, you know, a guy in Sidney Brown who could probably start very early in his career. So out of the corners, who are some guys who impressed you? So at corner, so flipping through, corner was one where this is, uh, this is a year where there's not like a, uh, a Jalen Ramsey, a Denzel Ward, a certain, a, a, a Sauce Gardner, so there's not a clear-cut number one corner, but a few of them are in that realm that are going to be considered, and I don't think there's going to be, um, at the end of the day, I don't think there's going to be a consensus, but my top guy is probably Christian Gonzalez, so he is a, he, he is a corner out of Oregon that he matches up the frame and the traits with the production on the field. He's a big corner. He's a he's he's almost six two, one hundred and ninety seven pounds, long corner. So he's that type of cover three long corner. Um, the speed was there a four three eight, forty one and a half inch vertical, and so so he is a very athletic and and you have to be very athletic to play corner exceptional and have the ball skills as well so he has that along with the size element too that teams are looking for to cover these you know i mean you got to cover these these platoons of receivers now on teams joey porter continues to impress so he is a multi-year starter at penn state he had 34 inch arms um you know he had the large the uh you know, the second largest wingspan there. He is a very long corner again. Because of that, um, because of that length he has and the pedigree of being a multi-year starter at Penn State, and he is also the son of longtime Steeler linebacker Joey Porter. He has that type of bloodlines as well. He is one that's probably going to go in round one as well. Uh, another corner that probably worked his way into round one with Deontay Banks. So he is um, a corner out of Maryland. He ran a 4-3-5, which was, I want to say, second or sec- second or third highest. So he's 4-3-5, exceptional speed, exceptional long speed, very explosive, 42-inch vertical. So he was at the top of all of these workout numbers as well. 
and he was able to stay at Maryland. Uh, so he has experience starting multiple years in different coverages as well. Um, and then for a potential day three guy, now last year I had Tariq Woolen as a guy who was a round two player. He went around five. He ended up being, you know, a rookie of the year candidate. This year, similar profile guy to watch, Julius Brents out of Kansas State. He's a 6'3", 198-pound corner. So he's a long corner. He's bigger wingspan than Joey Porter, actually. Uh, 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, like Christian Gonzalez. So you start matching all of this up, and his and, and, and so he, he's a big athletic corner. And then you see kind of those, um, those change-of-direction drills that are critical for corners as well. He had the best three-counter short shuttle out of any cornerback at 6'3". So that catches your eye. He has the size and the length to play that cover three, deep cover ability. Um, and, 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 and having the height and length, it helps corners. It just helps reduce the margin of error if they lose a step. But he also has the change of direction, too. So he is one that I encourage everyone to look into more. Um, he was a starter on that. It, it was an upstart Kansas State defense that was the uh, Big 12 champions. So Julius Brents is a guy that has um, continued to flash at the Combine and at the uh, Senior Bowl as well. So in terms of cornerbacks who you know may have hurt their stock, who do you think would have uh, been that guy? Yeah, the one that stood out to me was Clark Phillips. So so Clark Phillips is a... Um, yeah, he didn't run very well. He did not. And he is a nickel corner from Utah. Now, on the field, he was very productive at Utah. And he's a multi-year starter. He can mix it up. Um, he can mix it up with corners. He is probably, at his size, best suited to be a um, I'm I'm trying to pull up his um, size here for for a minute but 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 he's best suited as a nickel right um, so he's 5'9", 184 so that's suits a nickel um, he's just the um, the length he has is not very good for a corner it's very low on a percentile basis i know from last year with roger mccrary who was a corner from auburn that was taken and one of the knocks on him was very short-armed nickel corner that was like clark phillips too um very short arm just just small corner And, and and so if you have that you're looking for a guy that at least could be somewhat explosive only a 33 inch vertical i mean he was among he was he was the third lowest corner in the vertical. So of all the corners that competed, you know, the 30-35 there, he was the third worst. So that kind of stuck out as a guy that tested poorly, um, small by NFL standards, which is important as everyone goes up a notch um, when you get to the NFL. And so... That kind of um, is a little bit of a discrepancy from what he did on the field because he he was a productive player on the field for Utah. So that was one where it was a little disappointing and teams are going to have to be confident with those type of red flags um, that, that, that stick out. And there are exceptions to everything, of course. But, you know, you don't want to keep betting on exceptions over and over um, on a position group or on a player. So that is one where um, he's going to be outside a lot of those thresholds that teams have at corner. Kenny, I don't think you're on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. That sounds good. This was a, yeah, very, very productive and good combine. And before you know it, um, you know, the draft's going to be here for all of them. 
And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode of the 540th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.